If you'd please stay standing for our gospel reading today, found in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews." Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, sp I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. I, be, before we get going, I want to I just highlight something that's pretty amazing today, and that is our drummer, drummer, Marshall Murphy. Marshall, where are you? Stand up. Marshall had surgery. He's drumming one-handed today. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> I just thought that was amazing. Anyway, great to see you all today. You know, there has been a phrase, a 
two-word phrase that, that was new to me this past year. It's called fake news. Now, I, I don't remember hearing too much about fake news, but fake news supposedly is uh, where there's reporting that is based on hearsay, and it may not be factual. It may be fake news, okay? And whether you believe that the news that you hear is fake or not, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but in the end, there's something even more devastating than fake news. It's called fake Christianity. It's the hypocrisy that we all live with, whereby we say that we believe one thing, but then we end up doing and living a different way. In our gospel lesson for today, you heard that rather lengthy lesson, thank you, Pam, about an encounter that Jesus had with a woman at the well. And uh, this woman uh, was a Samaritan. Now, normally when, pe- when Jesus and his disciples would have been going home back up to Galilee, many people would have walked around Samaria because that's where their enemies were. And this was a woman that Jesus encountered. And first of all, a man didn't meet with a woman, especially in the middle of the day. That was a taboo. And not only that, but then she was a Samaritan. So for Jesus to talk to this woman was really something. And he comes to her and asks her, he didn't have a cup for a drink of water. And in this conversation, this woman uh, is told by Jesus that, you know, you're going to get thirsty again when you drink this water. But I've got the water of life for you, that you will, that when you take in the water that I have for you, you'll never be thirsty again. It's a spring that wells up for everlasting life. Jesus shows compassion, caring to a woman that uh, he shouldn't even have been talking to. After that, uh, the woman says, I want that water. Give me that water. And Jesus says, wait a minute, go call your husband. And the woman says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands. (laughs) And the man you're living with now, he's not your husband. And so all of a sudden, something happens. This woman becomes exposed. She takes off the mask of pretension. And she realizes that Jesus is something special. He is the Messiah, the promised one of God. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. I am he. And so this woman's life was changed all because Jesus and his love for her caused her to take off her mask of hypocrisy. Her hypocrisy was exposed. And in the end, her whole life is turned around. She goes, she runs back to town and says, you got to see this guy. He's the Messiah. He told me everything that I ever did. And he can change your life too. And many of the people in the town, we are told they came and they believed in Jesus Well, it leads to the topic of hypocrisy for you and me. And during this Lenten season, we are are talking about some of the major sins that we face in our lives. And one of these is indeed this fake Christianity, this hypocrisy. Now, the word hypocrisy actually comes uh, from, from the theater. It's a term that was borrowed from someone who wore a mask. He was a hypocrite. It's someone who tries to be someone whom they aren't, someone different from whom they really are, tries to make themselves look good when maybe they aren't. 
The word hypocrisy has at its very root, center, pride, where life becomes all about me. I want to look better than I really am. I don't want you to see really who I am. And the problem is that hypocrisy spills over then into our relationship with God. We think that somehow we can hide something from God. It starts at an early age, this pretending to be what we're not. I got a kick out of the 12-year-old boy who went to the orthodontist for the first time. And his mother uh, let him fill out the form that, uh, that he had to fill out at the doctor's office. And on one section, it asked for hobbies. And this uh, 12-year-old young man in that space, he wrote swimming and flossing. <laughs> really. Don't we like to look good? For Christians, hypocrisy is a deliberate deception, trying to make people think that we're more godly, more spiritual than we really are. And through the years, this has really hurt our witness. The number one complaint for unbelievers is not about what we say we believe in. It's not what we profess. It's not our creed. It's not, our, it's, it's, it's not the things that we, we, we hope to do as a Christian. The number one complaint is us. It's that we aren't living up to what we say that we believe, that who we are. One of the groups of people that Jesus had the most trouble with were the religious people of his day. It was the Pharisees and the scribes. And in Matthew 23, uh, in our Lord's discourse there, he spends a whole chapter talking about fake belief, fake living, fake for us, Christianity. And he points out, and he has all these woes, woe to you, to the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, they preach, but they do not practice. They, they lay heavy burdens on what others should do, but they don't lift a finger themselves. They do all these wonderful things just so that they can be seen by other people. Woe to you, you hypocrite, for you are like a whitewashed tomb, which outwardly appears beautiful, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and, iniqu and iniquity. This living a, a fake Christian life is a problem, isn't it? And we have to admit it because none of us can live up perfectly to the standard that we say that, that we profess. We all fall short of God's glory in our love for Him and our love for other people. And rather than just trying to come clean and admit it, a lot of times, we are hypocrites. We wear the mask. We put the mask on to make us look better than we really are. And, you know, when you think about it, the whole church, we all face this problem. I don't care who you are. It reminded me of a pastor who, who was talking to a guy who the, the pastor invited him to come to worship at his church. And the guy said, well, pastor, I used to go to church. I was baptized and I was confirmed, but I'll never go to church again. And he said, well, why not? He said, it's because all the hypocrites that I see in your church. The pastor responded, he says, oh, please, don't let that stop you because there's always room for one more, you know. <laughs> Be honest, we're all hypocrites because we all sin. But here's the truth. There's grace for us. The woman at the well her sin was exposed, but that's not where Jesus left her. Jesus 
poured into her heart and her life the water of life, grace, undeserved love. That's what Jesus showed to this woman. And just as he offered that to the woman to expose her hypocrisy, Jesus does the same for us to help us to be real, to be real with him and to be real with others. You can't hide from God. This was brought home to me a a couple weeks ago. I had a conference in Houston. And, uh, you know, when you, before you get to your gate, what do you have to go through? You have to go through security, right? And uh, uh, ever since 9-11, that's been quite an ordeal. And you have to take all the metal out of your pockets and everything, and you have to make sure that, that in your carry-on you don't have uh, liquids more than three ounces, and it goes on and on and on and on. Well, I'm pretty good about the stuff with the pockets. I can handle that. But, you know, I have my keys with me because I brought, I, I drove to the airport and I parked my car and I put them in my carry-on and I like to have a Swiss Army knife on my keychain. I've lost five of them now. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? I mean, it's so annoying. I've, I've paid the 13 bucks or whatever it is to have it mailed to you, uh, but it's, it's, it's crazy. You can't pass anything through it. They seem to detect it all, don't they? God knows you. In our key psalm that we're, we're looking at this Lent from Psalm 139, it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God knows everything about you. He made you. The hairs of your head are all counted. There's nothing that you can hide from God. And so that's why, along with David, our prayer from Psalm 139, 23 and 24 is, Lord, just search me. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked or offensive or hypocritical way in me. And then turn me away around by your forgiveness so that you can lead me in the way of everlasting life. That's our prayer. You know, God is good. And just like our Savior did for that woman at the well, He invites us to simply come clean to take off our hypocritical masks and just admit that we need Jesus as our Savior. And sure enough, just as Jesus offered that woman the water, refreshing water for her soul, for life, just as Jesus changed that woman, the water of life flows to you and me. It starts at our baptism, where our sins are washed away and we are put into a relationship with God so that we can trust Him and know that He's there, so that we can ask Him to help us to be real and authentic in our lives. And because Jesus is part of us, it's possible. Because as our Savior, Jesus was completely real, wasn't it? There was no hypocrisy in Him. And what was amazing is not only did He live a perfect, sinless life that we can't do, but then He took all the sins of the world all of our fakeness, our hypocrisy upon himself. And there at the cross, he suffered the punishment for those sins. And then because Jesus rose from the dead, the victory that he won over hypocrisy and sin becomes our victory, that we are now more than conquerors through him so that we don't have to keep living a lie when it comes to wearing all these masks and trying to impress everybody and be something that we aren't. We are genuine people of God through Christ. 
You know, I enjoy people who are honest and real. You know, this, this uh, as Pastor Max said, yesterday was confirmation. It was a great day. First time we've had confirmation at, at both of our sites. And it was just so neat to see. During the confirmation process uh, on Sunday evenings, the uh, pastors are generally the ones who, who present the lesson, the, the biblical catechetical lesson. And, uh, it, you know, after they have their lesson, then they break up and they go to small groups with parent leaders, and they, and they pray and they discuss these things. Well, it was a few years ago that there was a young man who obviously did not want to be there, and he was disruptive in my lecture. Uh, he disrespected the parent leader. Uh, he, he didn't get along with the other kids. And so finally, you know, I pulled him aside and I said, you don't want to be here, do you? And he says, Pastor, I hate this. He says, I don't believe in this God stuff. And the only reason I'm here is because my parents made me. He says, come on, let's talk about this. So we went off to the side and I said, now tell me. What is it about God that you don't believe in? And he looked at me, and you could see the tears coming into his eyes. He says, Pastor, it's not that I don't believe in God. It's just that all I see are people who are fake. He says, we come to church, and we make everything look like every, everything is rosy, and, and we all get along, and we love each other. And then we go home, and we start yelling at each other. And we use language that we shouldn't be using. He says, it's not right. And he's correct. It's not right. That should not be you and me. Because Jesus Christ has come into our hearts and our lives and washed away our sins. We are a new creation. God has made us different. So that the way that we are here at church is the way that we are at home. We learn to be kind and gentle and forgiving with one another. We use language that doesn't tear people down. We use language that builds people up. When it comes to, to, to other people, we care about them. We love them as Christ has loved us. And so we take off the mask and we become real in Jesus Christ. You know, that's what happened to the woman at the well. As Jesus took the mask, exposed her hypocrisy, and gave her the water of everlasting life with his grace to forgive her. She was changed. We are told in our text that she went back to town and she told everybody that she knew, you got to go see this guy. He's the one that told me everything that I've done. He's the Messiah. you got to check him out. And in, in our gospel reading in Matthew, we have a commentary. It says that many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. It all happened because of the woman, not being fake, but being real. Friends, I have to tell you that you're being watched. You know, people know, your neighbors, your relatives, your friends, they know that you go to church, okay? And they know that you profess to be a Christian. And so they're looking out for you. They want to see what's What's really genuine or real about you? Are you the real deal? How do you speak to others? Do you, do you talk with compassion and respect? Do your actions line up with the fact that Jesus is in your heart? As we journey with Jesus to the cross this Lenten season, 
why not begin every day by saying, Lord, Jesus, just make me real. Help me to be genuine. Help me to be more like you. Lead me to people who need to see you in me. And you know, the Lord answers those genuine prayers. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we too are transformed. We're molded to be more like Jesus in our hearts. One time there was a professor who, who brought a, a, a glass tumbler into the, into the lecture room. And uh, the, the glass tumbler was empty, and yet, of course, it was filled with, with, with air. And the, the professor says, how can we get the air out of this glass tumbler? And so there were several different answers. One of them, you know, let's create a vacuum, let's suck the air out of it, so forth and so on. Finally, after several suggestions, the professor took a pitcher of water and simply filled the tumbler with water. And as the water filled the glass, what happened to the air? It was gone. There, he said, the air is now removed. You see, as the water, the living water of Jesus Christ fills our hearts and our lives, just like it did the woman at the well, so we are filled with Jesus and His grace. And it's in Jesus, that's where we find our genuine acceptance. We know who we are as new people in, in Christ. And as the water of life pours into us, we put aside fake Christianity. Our hypocrisy is exposed so that when people look at our lives, they see more than a holy hypocrite. They see someone who's taken off the mask, someone who has been filled with the water of everlasting life in Jesus Christ. So may you be filled with Jesus in His name. Amen.